We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to another edition of the Best Ball Banana Stand, a crossover here on my YouTube channel and the Rotoviz Airwaves. I'm Peter Overzet with Sean Siegel. Every single Wednesday, we hop in a Best Ball Mania draft. They have been wild drafts. We have been forced to get crazy, get weird, get outside of our comfort zone. And there's no other person on this planet that I would rather have as a co-pilot in a wild draft room than Sean Siegel. Sean, how are you doing today? Good, good. I, uh... I woke up this morning and I just felt like we were going to have the 101. So we'll see if that turns out to be prophetic. I've got a one in 12 chance in, in predicting that. And also, Pete, I just, I'm pretty fired up to draft after seeing all those bananas. That intro really gets me ready. There you go. There you go. I, you know, I'm not been eating. Uh, I don't regularly eat breakfast in the morning. So kind of the psychedelic bananas is the closest I'm going to get to sustenance. I did want to ask you, I know, have you found a spot this year where you prefer to draft? Like if you got to pick your draft spot one through 12, um, like where would you like to be ideally if you got to handpick it? I think if you can get in that 104 type of range where you're somewhat in the middle, but still probably have access to one of the very top wide receivers mm -hmm. i don't have any problem with some of the christian mccaffrey teams that you and i have drafted i think those are really fun they set you up to do a lot of cool things i did have a draft last night from the 12 and so you're at the turn every time and was able to grab four receivers and then the two running backs left at the five six turn were insane and so uh, to be able to do that in 2023 is so much fun you get the receivers you get the running backs you feel like you have this better than was ever possible before kind of team and yet when you're drafting from the back and drafting from the turn, I mean, you don't have really any control over those wide receivers kind of in that next range that you really want. So it can put a little bit of a pressure on you to set up some of the game stacks that you want. But other than that, I mean, I like it from everywhere. This is such a fun year. Yeah, it, it's it's fun too. I remember over the years, even when it did feel like there was a 
clear tear break at the top, some of those elite bell cow running back years. I mean, there was a string where you would look at advance rates for the first few picks and they were awful because those top guys kept getting hurt. So it's one of those things you got to remind yourself as much as we might like a pocket of the draft or a tear break. It's like at the end of the day, we are still susceptible to injuries and stuff, completely wiping out a section of the draft board. So you do really never know with that. Yeah. The, the one one has been an absolute landmine. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, it's just very random, but we've gotten great results from Antonio Brown when he was kind of the version that we have now with Justin Jefferson. It'll be interesting to see if Jefferson and Chase at the top there can come through and, and deliver what folks are looking for. Yeah, um, we are on the clock at 1-4. We hopped in a best ball mania draft. We do see Jefferson, Chase, and Cup all go off the board. One, two, three. Um, happy to do a CMC team. If you do want to mess around with wide receiver, uh, what do you think is the play here? Well, I like to do CMC from this spot, but I'm also good with Tyreek Hill. I don't have a lot of him. So if you have a preference, we should go with it. I am I, I am so terrified of the uh, the wide receiver avalanche after what happened to Pat and I that I am just going to throw uh, Tyree Kill. I see all the familiar names in this draft here. So, Sean, I do uh, I think there's a legitimate chance in this room that T Higgins isn't available at pick 21, and that'll give us a an opportunity to do what we've done before from the front where we end up with really good running backs in two and three, and then come back around to some of those wide receivers. People obviously have to reach at all levels of the draft for receiver, at least until a point pretty deep. But one of the things I focused on in the research in part spurred a little bit by these drafts are those receivers kind of in the dead zone, maybe the one or two guys who might work out. And then especially some guys late. So yeah, I, Listening to the end of the show and hearing you guys discuss it, it did uh, it did make me feel like there was even more excitement slash pressure slash uh, I'm fired up for all of these. But to put together a good team after what evidently happened, so Ezekiel Elliott's on the squad. Is that is that the, the case? It, it is. And so now two of the past three drafts on Wednesday best ball breakfast has featured a technical difficulty uh, where you were trying to tell me not to select Jeff Wilson. And I selected Jeff Wilson followed by Pat trying to talk me into Durham Smythe. And instead, because I had positional limits set at max three tight ends with my default limits. And because I didn't manually select it, it auto drafted a running back, which happened to be Ezekiel Elliott. So somehow, Sean, I just drafted a team that had Odo Beckham, Michael Thomas, and Ezekiel Elliott on it. And I, I've, I've never felt more gross. If at midseason all three guys are in the NFL, it'll be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing is, is uh, we are off to the races here in this room. So Sean and I did start with Tyree kill at pick four. We do see uh, a bunch of wide receivers come off the board here early. Devonta Smith goes to star Kindler at the one, two turn. He takes him over guys like Amon Ross, St. Brown and Jalen Waddle. We will see if my prediction is true. It is T Higgins, Chris Olave go off the board at 18 in 19. And now we were sitting here looking at our choice of uh, a running back or quarterback here. Yeah, I don't really think we can pass on Jonathan Taylor at this particular price. And I mean, it's always possible that training camp, the preseason will look so bad for the Colts that he continues to fall. But I do think that the Hill with Taylor is one of the advantages that you talk about from time to time about drafting in some of these rooms. 
there are some disadvantages, but I mean, a Hill Taylor start is a lot of fun. It really is. Uh, you kind of slipped that in and I don't know if we've gotten to talk about it a bunch on this show and it might need to last longer than in between our next pick here, but I do want to hear your bear case on Anthony Richardson, because I'm pretty sure you might be lower on him than anyone else. I know to the point it, you think it might hurt Jonathan Taylor, a guy I know you love is, is that kind of what's driving your fear of, Hey, we might get cheaper Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. I think that, I mean, all of the college football guys that we brought on the show really warned us and brought on and wrote of his overtime really warned me and column about like his actual level of play is just so low. His passing ability is way worse than people realize who are just looking at it maybe from an analytics perspective. And it looks really bad from an analytics perspective as well. I think he's going to run effectively. I think that people are going to want him to run more than he does. I mean, one of the things about having a really low sack rate is that he gets rid of the ball when he doesn't need to sometimes, at least again, that's what I'm hearing from all the college football guys. I do think that Taylor probably works with that in a way that maybe the receivers don't. Obviously, the receivers are pretty heavily discounted because people are expecting low pass volume and probably low pass efficiency. But when you have a superstar athlete like that, there is always the possibility that you just get this huge jump. And if he takes that jump, then we're off to the races. I mean, Taylor is just such a massive talent in his own right that I think you have to continue to get plenty of exposure. If he creates a situation where teams are have a more difficulty focusing on him, I mean, you could get six, seven long touchdowns from Taylor. We are on the clock here at the beginning of the third round. Ramondre looks nice to me, or if you wanted to reach Keenan's definitely not making it back to us. What do you think? I think I'd like to go with Stevenson. I think that we get still, even though they're not going to be the same guys you get in most drafts. I think when we come back, for four and five, we'll get two names that we really like. I mean, they'll be early, but I really think that the third and early fourth in regular drafts are actually very weak at receiver and you yeah. almost should reach anyway. So if we're in a situation where, you know, we do reach in the four or five, that I think actually sets us up for a really cool team. I think it does too. I think what, you know, knowing how these rooms go in the pockets of the draft we probably don't have any other non-wide receiver detours available to us um just looking like i think we might be able to capture the end of you know the good wide receivers at pick 69 76 pat and i were picking you know from the 10 slot pick 82 and everything was wiped out so that is kind of a nice thing i think we will like the four wide receivers here. I never want to say never, you know, if there is some insane faller that we like, but I think when we take the JT Ramondre, we're going to probably want to prioritize wide receiver over the next four rounds. I would agree with that. I do think that sometimes, like you mentioned, you get such an insane running back value. And one of the things you can do in these drafts every once in a while is put together basically, and, and people are going to object to this terminology, but you can accomplish a lot of the things that you're looking to do with zero RB and a lot of the things you're looking to do with hyper fragile simultaneously. Mm -hmm. If you're willing to fade some of the other positions uh, again, I mean, these drafters are so strong. They're not going to give us you know, any crazy values, certainly at wide receiver. And they're going to put their teams together in a way that works for them. And that might also help work for us. That's again, one of the mild benefits of, of all the drafters being so strong, but I, I completely agree. I think these next four rounds set up very nicely as long as we're sort of positioned mentally to be aggressive which i know that you especially are with all the 
avalanche drafts. And I mean, I love the receivers in this range. So, yeah. And I, I, I felt the same thing you have as far as this really big tier and basically rounds four through seven, four wide receivers. Like Pat and I were just talking about how we think Traylon Burks is going to be a fairly big riser in ADP once training camp starts. And it's like, I really don't have that much of a difference between Drake London and Traylon Burks as far as kind of the range of outcomes, the upside scenarios, you know, like that. And there's what, uh, almost sometimes a three round gap in their, in their ADP. And so that's not even a knock on Drake London. It's mainly just saying there are a lot of good receivers that go in this wide range and the market is kind of just arbitrarily deciding how they want to rank those guys within it. And especially as you mentioned there, the younger players, if they get buzz can move a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, Burks was awful last season, but we also know that his prospect profile was pretty enticing. And so when you look at that versus a guy like JSN, for example, who hasn't played at all with an enticing profile, you have to sort of pick which direction you want to go with it. But so we do get a lot of those guys wiped out right there. Do you have, I mean, one that you have to have here? The, I mean, I'm completely fine reaching for JSN. Um, I, you know, I'm still, Hopkins is still a tough click for me. I see he's ahead in your rankings. Do you have a preference? No, let's go with Jason. Yeah. Um, obviously going to seem rich relative to ADP, but um, it's how it goes. And this goes back to the thing of, I think you can dance around um, at wide receiver um, in this range and just get the guys you like, um, you know, the guys we were passing on who are ahead of him in ADP, you know, Christian Kirk, I think would be the big one there as far as at the ADD point, but I, I have no problem taking JSN over Christian Kirk. And Kirk, I think you could even argue is undervalued. And yet there are some things that he could hit this season that would really knock him down. I also think it's difficult to build out good Jaguars oriented teams. And so that moves him down for me a little bit too, just simply not wanting to to build some of those game stacks in. Yep. Uh, Hopkins does go. We are back here. We could get uh, Burks, Pickens, Evans, um, happy with any of those guys what do you like yeah let's do the burks selection we've talked about him a little bit obviously he's not going to come back you get the extreme upside when you have a big bodied receiver who put up elite metrics in terms of age adjusted production in college he looks good when you talk about dominator rating he looks good when you talk about yards per team attempt obviously he played in a difficult conference there and if we get a solid season from Ryan Tannehill, which we've done in the past, just not super recently. And if he consolidates the target share to the point that it seems like, even if they're a low volume passing team, his targets could really get up there. And if you have a player, I mean, they drafted him to be their new AJ Brown. That's asking for a lot. But again, when you have a player with that kind of physical profile, that production profile, and just you know, no one around him for the targets. I mean, you're talking about a guy who next season could be drafted at the one-two turn. Yeah, um, I I completely agree. He definitely feels like the guy who, yeah, he's just right there. You know, makes the jump 
um, similar to what we saw Garrett Wilson do in ADP. And we've seen some of these other guys do. Um, we do get uh, in classic wide receiver avalanche room, uh, Najee Harris at pick 56, uh, Aaron Jones at pick 58. But it is, I, I've been talking too about, you know, previously in these wide receiver avalanche rooms, you would get some extreme running back fallers, but the drafters are now so sharp that they're not even letting the extreme fallers happen a lot of the time. And this is why I do like, and Pat had a clip about this on ADP chasing the other day too, of like still wanting to prioritize legendary upside with those running back selections because of the fact that there is so much production available. Like he referenced James Conner and Rashad white, who I do think what Sean three years ago, their kind of profile for projectable volume that would have made those guys fourth and fifth round picks. Right. And now they're readily available in the eighth and ninth. And I was thinking to the draft I did last night, which was not a wide receiver avalanche draft, but Aaron Jones fell to me at 512. And so wow. you go ahead and pick that, even though you know maybe you're not quite as high on him as the normal ADP. And then Rashad White, somebody I just have questions about the talent on the offense and tend not to draft. I mean, he was there at the 8-9 turn. And so again, like I'll go ahead and put those guys in with a team that started wide receiver times four. Yeah, exactly. Um, that is a, a really nice thing when you can you know, zig and zag, and then catch the value pockets at the right time here. That is the only downside too of like in this where, you know, I love Taylor and Stevenson, but say if you did have, I don't know, a JK Dobbins falls to pick 69 and it's like, man, structurally, that's a really, really hard click for us. Um, I am shocked that George Pickens fell back to us here. Um, anything else you would do instead of him? No, I think especially with having JSN there and kind of leaning into these breakout receivers. I mean, just take George Pickens scattering report on himself and he's a pretty easy pick in the sixth round. So. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, Sean, is I, I kept my mouth shut. Cause I was like, you know, whatever, play the ADP game. I was going to float Pickens at 52 because of the Seattle Pittsburgh angle. And so I am super glad that we uh, showed some patience there. Um, Pickens at 69 in this room feels like a massive victory. It does. And I mean, I was hoping that the Dotson might come back around, but that was obviously yeah. too much to ask for there. The picks have gone very nicely for us. And if we're betting on JSN to, to, you know, I mean, if you're going to draft in there and you're having fun with the draft, you might as well just bet on him to be the next Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, in which case we also then have his a week 16 and a week 17 wide receiver off of that. I do believe. And so that part is fun as well. Yeah. Who, so yeah, you're referencing uh, Seattle playing Tennessee in week 16. Uh, I like it. You're even uh, more up to date on the week 16 matchups than I am. I'm slacking here. Um, so our team here through six rounds, we got uh, two running backs, four wide receivers, Jonathan Taylor, Ramondre Stevenson, our wide receivers, Tyree Kill, JSN, Traylon Burks, and George Pickens. And we are about to pick here at seven, four, you know, by ADP. You got um, Alexander Madison, Damian Pierce, Miles Sanders on the board. Um, if we do look at wide receivers, two guys that I like, um, Zay Flowers and Elijah Moore. Zay Flowers, the bring back on the Tyree Kill. Elijah Moore, a guy I think we both like. Uh, who do you want to go with here? Yeah, let's uh, let's go with Flowers there and sort of continue to build out our extremely young wide receiver room. But as you mentioned, that fit there with Tyree Kill. I think if we take Tyreek Hill at the fourth pick, we've got to be 
somewhat committed to giving Flowers a little bit of a try. You have all of the rhetoric coming out of Baltimore that they're going to be much more pass-heavy. And, I mean, Flowers is an all-around type of receiver. And so if he can break some of the plays deep on top of everything else. I mean, he's a guy where, especially if Bateman is limited, I think even with the other things and, you know, some of their under-the-radar wide receiver additions are even generating some buzz from minicamp. But I mean, Flowers has to be the guy. The question that I think the question that listeners have had for us in some other drafts like this is, are we going to get enough early season production? I mean, Flowers might be one of these guys who, especially in an offense that still has plenty of questions and has a quarterback who can go on these stretches where he throws the ball in the ground in front of his receivers, you know, six, seven times in a game and you get a really bad game in there. You know, do we have enough early season production? But I think that number one, you've got Hill, but then Burks and Pickens, if they do what we're looking for them to do, I think they're going to come out firing right from week one. Yeah, for sure. Um, And our team now through seven rounds, we got that double anchor RB from the second and third with Jonathan Taylor, Ramondre Stevenson, wide receivers, Tyree Kill, JSN, Traylon Burks, George Pickens, Zay Flowers. And this is definitely my preferred way to do the two early running backs where you forego the quarterback fallers, the tight end fallers, and really build out that wide receiver depth. Because now at this point, um, we do see all of the wide receivers get coming off the board. I was wondering, were you tempted when DeAndre Swift was at the top of the queue there uh, with your rankings? He does go at pick 86, which seems like a very nice price. I really did want him. And (laughs) so, I mean, you look at the back end there and think about some of the teams you could build from that range would also be really cool. But I mean, we're probably going to have more chances to pick him as we go along. I'm sure we both have a lot of exposure. It would be, I mean, if he goes off and this team would have had those three running backs and you would win the whole thing, then you're not going to be like, Oh, exposures, whatnot. But in an in a wide receiver avalanche draft, if you're actually drafting a running back, who's not a value, I mean, that, this is probably the draft to go ahead and pass on him, but it was tough. I, I love him. There as another part of that running back room. And I, and I know that the like liking two running backs from the back, field is not mutually exclusive whatsoever, but knowing how much you like to play offenses through the cheaper piece, do you, do you find yourself liking Rashad Penny more cost adjusted or even cost adjusted? You're still swift over Penny. I think even cost adjusted. It sounds like, I mean, he's much more locked in. Both of the guys are absolutely huge talents, but I think that people are going to see Deandre Swift as really like a first round pick type of talent this year with the Eagles. So again, it's, it's hard not to pick him at the, the prices we are being given there. So I kind of, I don't, I kind of, I don't know if Tua would come back to us here. You and I draft James Cook a ton. What do you think the play is here looking at this board? Yeah, I think we go with Tua. I don't know that there are any other must draft pieces. And I mean, he's a, a player who, should probably be drafted, you know, in the same basic range as Herbert. Now he is rising a little bit relative to some of their guys who are falling. But when you have a Dolphins play already, I mean, I really like to continue to push the QBs and we have some other things set up. And yet if Tyreek Hill does what you need him to do, again, out of the 104, I mean, you don't want to just kind of paint my numbers and pick the guys who fall right. into that and yet, it's such a 
clear-cut pick there. And I think that, again, if you come back and you look at the guys who are most likely to be huge risers at this point next season, this team is loaded with those players. Tua definitely the guy, I think, in the entire first 10 rounds who fits that category at the quarterback. Yeah, and I do think there was a small chance he comes back, but I just don't know if there's anything um, that we had to select. And James Cook does come back if we want him. Lots of good uh, running back options available. Is Cook the play here? Uh, Wide receiver getting wiped out. Our guy Romeo Dobbs goes. What do you think? Yeah, let's go with Cook or Sky Moore. Do you have a preference between those two? Um, I have been trying to get ahead of the avalanche on, on sky Moore. I feel like his price is screaming up here. Do you want to, should we just grab him here and, yeah. uh, ease off the gas on our, our James cook exposure? Yeah, that'll be it. I mean, he's still got a lot of risk. They're trying to talk him up when you have a season as poor as he had, when there really was more opportunity than they like to kind of portray it as there's a real risk that he's more or less already done. And yet, I mean, he is one of those guys who's going to be very puff PC. You know, any time that you have a player who, as the wide receiver one in Kadarius Tony, is probably more limited again than they want to portray and just as a walking injury. I mean, you're looking at Sky Moore in year two as he emerges as someone who did have a good prospect profile and is more athletic, I think, than people realize. Somebody who could do a lot after the catch is going to be kind of that intermediate target. They talk about him taking over for Juju Smith-Schuster in some of that role. And Juju was awful last season and still put up good enough numbers that the Patriots were interested in him, that he gets drafted at a reasonable place in you know, all of these best ball drafts. I mean, if he could do something even in that vicinity, then you're getting what you're paying for here. You're rounding out your receivers. He also has the opportunity in that offense to have spike weeks doing things around the goal line. But in a true breakout scenario, he would be a guy who I mean, pulls just a huge chunk of your teams into the tournament itself, which Obviously, when you're talking about round nine in a wide receiver heavy draft, there aren't going to be too many guys who single-handedly pull your team through or have that in their range of outcomes. Yeah, and we do see Romeo Dobbs go at pick 98. Um, starting to see the drumbeat on Romeo Dobbs. Adam Levitan was sharing uh, a clip on Twitter about him dominating these early practices, being Jordan Love's favorite character. And someone uh, on this show right now might have wrote, uh, I believe maybe 5,000 words, a 5,000 word love letter to Romeo Dobbs, which might explain him going at pick 98 here. Yeah. Romeo is, he's a really interesting prospect. He had a really interesting profile last year because there are some huge red flags and then some very positive elements. As I went and researched a guy who I was already really high on, which, you know, can be, a trap, right? You, you want to be careful too. And you, you always are trying to make as much of the counter argument as you can so that you understand it and you have some of your own reluctance or resistance to continue to chase him up and to end up with exposure prices that don't make sense. But the more that you dive into Dobbs, the more exciting his profile becomes. Uh, we can confirm that the drafter JGFC, who literally is in every draft with me, will you please stop this JGFC? Also a Rotovis sub, uh, consuming the Rovio Dobbs hype and then selecting it at pick 98. This is this is the problem, Sean. This is the problem about these guys getting in our drafts after reading uh, just a massive uh, piece about Rovio Dobbs. So you, we did this to ourselves, is what is what I'm trying to say here. Well, I also do get these fun messages from Pete about. 
don't give away our picks. So, it, uh... <laughs> so we could go with a running back here. We could stack up Geno Smith with JSN, or we could push QB two down the road. Um, I do like Brian Robinson in this range. What what jumps out to you? Yeah, can you go just to running backs real quick? Yeah, yeah. Let's do Robinson if you like him there. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to see if there was anything else. I think. Um, you know, the running back targets here, I do feel like there's a few more before a pretty big tier break here. So if we do end up with some kind of like hyper fragile build with only four or five, um, I think Brian Robinson is a nice selection, seven picks past ADP there. Yeah. You start to get into this range where all of the best picks are bears, saints and dolphins. And especially if Dalvin cook ends up with the dolphins, then you have a lot of issues adding those guys onto the roster and yet individually those players not only is there an opportunity if they should win out but individually i think those guys are all pretty exciting and so you, you do have a, a mix of incentives and then trade-offs that you're working with on those running backs gino does go one pick after us i would have loved to have him with this team because we are again kind of set up for some elements of that and yet trying to build in more at receiver and running back, knowing some of the options we get late. It's just always so hard for me to click on Gino, even, even when it does make sense. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I think if we didn't, you know, if we had gone a different direction and didn't have two, I think Gino making sure we get a quarterback in the window there made sense. Um, this still feels like a running back pick to me, Herbert, Eli Mitchell, Kendra Miller jump out, unless you're seeing something with, with Dalton Schultz as a bring back to Burks, what jumps out to you? Can you go directly to the tight ends? Yeah. Let's go with Herbert here. Okay. Yeah. I Herbert at ADP as our fourth running back. Um, I do like him uh, a good bit here. What were you kind of wrestling with there? Was um, thinking about uh, a tight end in play for you? Yeah. Once we get into this range where we don't have any of the stud tight ends and we're starting to look at the three tight end build, which – the road of his tools really like specifically for underdog. And again, once you've waited, I think that this season in 2023 really pushes us in the direction of the three tight ends late. And then especially in these particular rooms, it pushes us in that direction where we want to build through running back and wide receiver early. So I was just trying to check in there, see kind of where we were on tight end prices and rankings relative to ADP. Once we do kind of get into that range where you need to load up on some tight ends, I like to take huge swings at them. And so it's just a matter of how early do you need to start loading up on those players? I think we weren't quite in that range yet, but we'll want to keep an eye on those guys. So if we have to reach a little bit, we can, not that we're necessarily looking in that direction, but if we're going to take the three tight ends, we want to still put together a tournament winning type of team with tournament winning profiles for those guys I like a lot of the guys late though. So there's not a huge amount of pressure to get any particular player. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, also letting you guys know, if you're listening to this on the Rotoviz airwaves, we post the audio from my draft with Sean every week. Um, if you are watching, uh, to just the streams. I do split up the audio. So the first draft goes on my in a vacuum podcast feed, uh, with Pat, and then you can always get the Sean draft on the Rotoviz. Uh, podcast feed. Make sure you guys are subscribed to that. I have that link down below. Make sure you guys are subscribed to Rotoviz for Sean's great work. I just mentioned a big piece on Romeo Dobbs. Had a recent piece the other day about five deep wide receiver sleepers that you can target in your drafts, which I find very helpful uh, for the rooms I'm drafting in. 
And uh, yeah, and make sure you guys are subscribed to the channel as we push toward 15,000 subs recently cross 14,000 get subscribed. I'm streaming drafts virtually around the clock during the week. Monday, I do, do two drafts here, do two drafts on Tuesdays, two drafts on Wednesdays. Um, so you can get all kinds of best ball mania streams here as I try to complete my goal of 150 stream draft, Sean. This is draft. I just realized I don't have my banner up. This is draft number 71 for me, Sean. I'm almost at the halfway point. Pretty awesome. Do you feel good about having so many early drafts? I know you've got a lot with some great values that are not going to be there in August. Yeah, I, I I like it. I like the idea of the contest spreading over the entire draft season. And I get comments on videos, people going back, watching our first draft, watching my first draft with Pat on opening night, being like, it's crazy how much the values have changed. Even the way we talk about specific situations, when you're in the thick of it, you don't quite realize that everything just feels normal, but a lot has already changed. So Dalton Schultz does make it all the way back to us here. I'm certainly on board with that, unless you see anything else jumping out to you. I mean, he's probably... The way to play it. He, I mean, he isn't one of those guys who really gets me going. I think I have just moved him down right after this update, and yet it's a good fit. And Stroud is already someone who looks very good for them. I think they feel like they've hit on that QB. It's going to be a different situation from obviously what he had in Dallas, and yet. When you're talking about a guy who is established with a wide receiver group that has a lot of flaws and and or just doesn't have anybody, and then you have the good quarterback, I and mean, there's a lot of ways that that can work in your favor. So I like that pick right around in this range. Dulcich probably the guy who has the huge ups the huge upside in round 12. He obviously went at the 1201. Doesn't make us make it back to us here. Irv Smith an interesting play because. He works in some ways with a couple of the guys that we have. And yet, mm. I mean, when you're looking at Schultz versus Smith, you have very different ideas about how the overall offense is going to create efficiency, certainly, and then volume on top of that because of the efficiency. But the target upside for Schultz is probably quite a bit greater. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. Yeah, Stroud's an interesting guy I was talking about. I had a team the other, I think it was yesterday actually, where I had Nico and Devin Singletary and I was debating Stroud um, versus Purdy because I had a Debo. And I ended up going with with Purdy mainly because I think Stroud is going to remain fairly cheap. Um, what do you like at this range here? A couple running backs, Algier, Mostert, Roshan Johnson um, are there. Wide receiver, we got our guy Tyquan Thornton, tight end, Cole Komet. What do you like? Well, it's never too early to go Taekwon, especially after we just lost Laporta. Is there anybody else who jumps out more to you? No. Um, and I did, at, let's take Taekwon. We don't really need to talk about him much because we've talked about him a ton. I did want to ask you about those three backfields you mentioned, which is something that comes up in these drafts a ton. Um, the Saints, the Bears, the Dolphins, three ambiguous backfields. All three added a rookie. All three of them have ADPs going after 110. I end up with seemingly one, if not two, from those teams on all of my drafts. I guess I'll ask this. Of those nine backs, are there any that are just fully on your do not draft list, even if they slip like 10 picks past ADP? No, I think that Deontay Foreman, in some ways, might even be the most talented of all of them. And yet he's the guy who I find doesn't really makes sense in most of the teams that I do. I like other players around his ADP. And so you either would pick him early or you just pick 
your preferred kind of late round guys at that point. I do think he's probably the third guy for them. And when you're talking about the third guy on a team that probably isn't going to throw to the running backs a lot. So he will probably be the one that I'll end up with the lowest exposure to. But I just, I think there's a lot of talent when you go across that. A chain, if it works out that Cook doesn't sign there, is going to end up being a fantastic value. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it. it is interesting too. And that's what's puzzled me about the Kendra Miller stuff is you look at the rookies in those backfields, traditionally drafters, especially on underdog, like to prioritize the rookie black box upside nature. There you do see A-Chain first off the board in Miami. You see Roshan second off the board. And I do think that's a little bit of a flop lag on people do really like Khalil Herbert. So that kind of checks out. But then it is weird to me that Kendra Miller is the third of the backs drafted in New Orleans, to me, that seems like the prime scenario where you would look at this ambiguity, potential six-game suspension, Jamal Williams being limited just in what he can do as a running back. And it's like, holy cow, that's where I want to get super excited about Kendra Miller. So I continue to like look around and be like, am I missing something on Kendra Miller as I continue to select him at a very high clip? Yeah, I mean, I would have loved if he had gotten back to us. That would have been my preferred pick. I think that it's a matter of when you have a former star and you have a guy who was such a massive you know, green zone weapon last year. And then the the third guy isn't healthy. There maybe are still some lingering concerns, not even about him being ready, but just if he misses the, you know, most of the off season, then you're talking about someone who just won't be ready to play. Won't be up to speed. He does seem like the guy who has the most upside at the end of the season. We are about to pick here at 14-9, our team through 13 rounds. We have two at quarterback, Jonathan Taylor, Ramondre Stevenson, Brian Robinson, and Khalil Herbert at running back. Our wide receivers, Tyreek Hill, JSN, Traylon Burks, George Pickens, Zay Flowers, Sky Moore, Tyquan Thornton, tight end Dalton Schultz. Um, nice roster brewing here. Um, got some fun wide receiver firepower, which is always nice in a wide receiver avalanche draft. We are on the clock. Uh, got a couple of running backs that stand out. Um, the other question is, would we want to lock up Kenny Pickett first um, as a second quarterback? Do you want to kick that down the can uh, down the road? What do you like? Well, I've been missing Chuba for some drafts. We could go here. Obviously, that would be early, but I mean, we're into the range where that kind of thing matters less. If you have a different preference, though, I'm very happy to go that way. No, I, I like Chuba there. I would say we probably could be done at, at running back. Not necessarily, uh, but Chuba here along with Jonathan Taylor, Ramondre, Brian Robinson, Khalil Herbert, feels like a pretty strong running back room for us. I guess the only thing, talk to me about Chuba over potentially um, Mostert, considering we have this bet. We were just talking about the ambiguity there. Are you starting to get cold feet with Mostert just relative to A-Chain? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and then, I mean, you and I, even with the kind of, you know, technical difficulties last week, I had messaged you later in the day that I had drafted Jeff Wilson again, uh, <laughs> that time on purpose. And so when you have a player who's already squeezed and then another player could be dropped in on top as well, I mean, you're starting to get the bottom two guys, I think, in that backfield more as 17th or 18th round picks. Yeah, yeah. Um... I think that makes sense. And those guys continue to fall. I will say if you're like me and you're, you're excited about this Dolphins backfield and you don't think that Dalvin Cook ends up there uh, before the start of the season, I mean, man, you can sure get cheap Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson in drafts right now, um, which is kind of a fun bet to relative to like, man, I, I get it with HA and I like HA and I draft him, but there's still a lot of range for his outcome this year. Like if he, you know, was just a gimmick touch guy that didn't get a ton of work, that wouldn't shock me necessarily. Um, Moster and Kenny Pickett both come back to us here. Anything else jump out to you? Well, we could start to to add a little bit more to the tight end group, but um, we don't necessarily need to. We're kind of counting on those guys coming back to us late. I mean, I always like to push it on Pickett because I have so much of him, but this is probably the spot where it makes sense. Yeah, I'm looking at it. I mean, sure, we could do Mac Jones later, um, along with the Taekwon stuff. You did mention CJ Stroud, but um, I'm also not opposed to a three quarterback build with Tua and Kenny Pickett if it comes to that. Yeah, and if we feel comfortable with those five running backs in it, and I always like to add that sixth running back on if he's the best pick when we get into the late rounds. I think that you want to be at least mildly set up to take best player available now one of the other things we've talked about a lot on the show is that at least right now before we have a lot of really good information about who in the deep wide receiver area is going to actually you know be in position to get a lot of routes and is flashing and all of that that we get in august there is so much to be said for what underdog gives us in terms of latent three at both QB and tight end. Mm-hmm. And yet if we do have some flexibility, and that's one of the things with drafting Tua a little bit earlier is it gives us the flexibility to pass on Gino. It gives us the flexibility to just go with the two quarterbacks. If we want, we know that in a vacuum, if we don't think specifically about the 2023 season and the shape of the positions just in this year, then we know two QB is preferred two QB is better. But if it's giving us three QB, that gives us more outs or more pathways in the tournament. We can go that route. So basically what I'm saying is that two QB, I think we'll work with this. Two or three tight end. If we like their tight end we get, we'll work with this. And it's probably a three and three in which we're set up nicely with the five running backs and the seven wide receivers. And when you get those running backs at two and three, and you're basically projecting them both to be top five backs, you can certainly stop at five. 
if yeah. the best player available in 18 is a running back, we can go that route. But I mean, I, I really like, again, the build that we've got set up here. That part's really fun when the wide receiver avalanche can get you in a spot where when we've had a couple of drafts where in 16 and 17, we're looking for receiver names. That part is less fun. It, it really is. Um, all right. I did just check. We have 352 people watching right now and only 130 likes. If you're watching, hit the like button. Remember, immediately following the stream, you can leave a comment on the video that will get you entered into my $1,500 giveaway. Three of you will win $500 when I hit 15,000 subs. And every time you leave a comment on one of my draft streams, that gets you an additional entry. I have a playlist on my channel, making it super easy. I know a lot of you have been going back and watching old drafts. It's fun to even see people catching some of our old streams, Sean, from even a month ago uh, and giving feedback there. So keep that up, Sean. We are on the clock at 16.9. What do you see here? We see some tight ends and quarterbacks at the top of the ranks. Yeah, I, I think that this is probably a tight end for us. Big upside for the top three guys there. We have some picks we can come to at the end if you have a preference on those tight ends definitely grab it i i love gesicki um i assume you're on board with that yeah i did um i just wrapped up a slow draft bulldog uh team that was the 500 dollar uh contest and i did the uh the taekwon thornton and mike gesicki pairing on that as well i think that's just such a fun way to capture upside there i didn't end up getting mac jones um because it was a lamar and purdy team but it's one of those things where i feel like you can capture a lot of the passing game upside through those two guys and the nice thing with gesicki too there's not a ton of overlap with Hunter Henry. And so if you're building your team with the idea that you're going to go Taekwon, a tight end and Mac Jones late, you actually have a couple of different shots at it. And I like that flexibility late because if you need to be building in some correlation with a passing attack late and you, you know, get sniped on someone or just doesn't work out, you don't want to be completely dead with it. That flexibility is great for drafters as kind of big pictures are thinking through that. For sure. Um, it'll be interesting to see what comes back to us here. Um, some super big fallers here at quarterback. I mean, Jordan Love sliding um, this many picks past ADP is uh, kind of surprising to me. I'm really surprised JGFC, who reached pretty early, you know, all things considered ADP-wise on Dobbs, would pass up on him there, although I assume he's going to take him here. Um, if not, JGFC, let me know what's going on in that brain of yours. Um, we are going to have two more selections here. We're at a two, five, seven, two build. You mentioned it is probably setting up to get to three at each of the onesie positions, but not necessarily a, a must there. Wow. JGFC does pass on him. I mean, I'm even at the point, Sean, where I don't even mind doing like an unstacked Jordan love it, What, what do you think here? What, what's the play? I think probably still coming back with one of those tight ends and then see what we have at QB. Yeah in the final round because we have so many of the young guys at wide receiver it might lead me in the direction of mcbride with a little bit more experience i mean you'd hate to be in the situation where mayor i mean is better than mcbride but follows a similar trajectory and you only get that production at the end of the season whereas mcbride takes the next step i think that they actually have quite a bit less at the receiver position in Arizona, even maybe than people are thinking through and realize. And the target volume for an extremely athletic 
tight end here in round 17. Now, clearly you've got all of the QB risk. You've got the fact that McBride really only had the one meaningful game last year. You've got, you know, a whole new brain trust in, you know, they, it may not be, he may not be their guy, although he also didn't seem to be the coaching staff's guy last year. But when you look at the profile of the athleticism and what you could be getting early in terms of them not really having receivers, but then late if Kyler Murray comes on, I mean, I think both halves of that, when you're talking about someone going in round 17, I'm too high on Trey McBride. My rankings are very aggressive <laughs> on him. I have a really high exposure. Everyone should consider that when they listen to me talking about him. And yet I, I don't think there are that many potential league winners in 15 through 18. I mean, obviously if you had even more upside in the range of outcomes, you'd be going earlier, but I mean, I, I really like him there. Yeah. And um, we are going to be heading down the pike here. Um, we did finally see Jordan Love come off the board. Man, pretty nice there for uh, Alex Berg. Gets Jordan Love as his third quarterback, but also has um, Christian Watson. So pretty fun to get that stack at those prices. Really reduced cost when you're getting him there in the 18th. Um, real quick, before we make our last round selection, want to give you guys an update on the rest of my streaming schedule this week. Tonight on Ship Chasing, we're going to draft a Best Ball Mania team with Pat Doherty from NBC Sports Edge. No Swolecast. Today, Davis on vacation. I'm scrambling for childcare. Um, so Ship Chasing tonight. Tomorrow on Lowell's, we are going to talk about um, the draft caddy and hop in a draft. You can see here in my overlay, we got the draft capital buckets, which is a fun way to visualize how you have spent your resources positionally throughout the draft. And then tomorrow night, randomizer draft with Jason Moore from the fantasy footballers. Excited for that. Followed by a best ball after dark stream with Adam Levitan from ETR. That is for YouTube members only. That'll be at 9 30 PM. That's the full schedule. Sean, we are on the clock here in the final round. CJ Stroud there. If we do want that third quarterback, anything else there? Chase Brown is a bring back with Sky Moore. Desmond Ritter, who we always like. What do you think? Yeah, we feel with Mac Jones since we have the couple of uh, couple of Patriots there. I do also like Stroud in the very last round. Do you have a preference between those two guys? Um, I I don't mind just breaking it in favor of Mac since we did make the bet on Thornton. Um, and Gesicki, I'd say if it was maybe just skinny stacks there with Thornton and Schultz, maybe we, we go Stroud and maybe I'm just getting a little bored of <laughs> drafting Mac Jones because I don't have as much Stroud. I guess I haven't drafted him that much. This will get me up to 5%, but Stroud, I just have not been clicking as much. So I think based on the picks we made, um, Mac Jones definitely made sense for the double stack there. And if you look at the last three years for him, obviously last year, the year that has the most predictiveness for this season was a disaster, but we also know what the environment was there. It's very easy to understand why it would be something separate from just him. You look at the other two years, really encouraging numbers. They've made the additions we've bet on these guys, and it really does look like the offense probably will flow through those particular players. I think that he bounces back. And if we're looking at probably pure pass oriented guys in the final round. I mean, a rookie, I don't think really makes that much sense. It's not that Stroud couldn't get out there and get some things done. There were some fits with that team that we had there specifically, but if you're not going to bring the rushing element, I think that you probably need to have more, you need to have more upside as a runner than Stroud really brings. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's fair. And I, I, I've i just, I think, I, I mean, I like some of the Texans pieces. I've been wanting to get a little bit more Damian Pierce. I like Nico. 
Um, I've been drafting a decent amount of Schultz, but it does feel like one of those offenses you can just play through those skill position players as opposed to, you know, forcing the stack there. Um, appreciate all of you guys in the chat. Stark Kindler sending over a $5 super chat. This is for the Viking funeral of a draft earlier this morning. I am getting this typed in here on underdog, and then we will recap this team from a high level after wrapping it up. Um, I thought we did pretty good. Um, all things considered, this ended up being the palate cleanser I needed. Our final build is a three, five, seven, three, our quarterbacks, Tua, Kenny Pickett and Mac Jones. Um, I did completely forget too, when we were talking about our Mac Jones stack that we had taken Ramondre that had felt so long ago. So a really big bet on the Patriots being an ascending offense this year, or at least a bounce back offense running back, Jonathan Taylor, Ramondre Stevenson, Brian Robinson, Khalil Herbert, and Chuba Hubbard wide receivers, Tyreek Hill, JSN, Traylon Burks, George Pickens, Zay Flowers, Sky Moore, Tyquan Thornton and tight ends, Dalton Schultz, Mike Gesicki, Trey McBride. I feel like we got, uh, this is one of those drafts where it feels good and that you select a lot of players you like. And that's always what's fun, Sean. It is. I I mean, you look at the receivers and it'll be great to have the amount of explosiveness that we think that those guys have and have a little bit more in the way of safety or experience. But I continue to draft teams that are very, very young, a huge percentage of every single one of my teams, not only this year, but stretching back to you know really 2008, would be teams with second year wide receivers. I think that those specific names have great profiles. And then, I mean, this was one of those miraculous drafts where things really did seem to fall to us to be able to get those receivers with Jonathan Taylor and Ron Ray Stevenson. When I'm thinking through it and looking at this outside of tight end, where I don't think you can draft Dalton Schultz as your first tight end and feel like this is the group that's going to win it for you. But there are elements to that group that work really well. I mean, this looks like a tournament team to me. It looks like a regular season team to me. I mean, even something very, very small, like not having a lot of week 16 or week 17 for the Patriots that we made the big bet on. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have that first round. If I'm thinking about this correctly, looking at my sheets here, the first round playoffs with Kansas City, where I mean, if we could get a Mac Jones Kansas City shootout game hmm. there with Sky Moore, you get the teams through, and then you can rely on somebody else in Week 16 and Week 17. I mean, the the best way for this to work for us would be to have our three different QBs be the three guys for the playoff weeks to get through. Little elements like that make this team subtly fun, in addition to just what I think are the the flashy parts of it that I definitely enjoy. Yeah, uh, I agree too. That is, that is always the appeal to me with those three quarterback builds is just knowing if you could hit the nuts on, you get the two a week, then you get the Keddy Pickett week, and then there's no you know Mac Jones teams in the finals, and then that's the week he goes off. That idea of getting the low-owned stack um, when it matters the most. Uh, Sean, really like this team we drafted. Uh, what do you guys got going on over at Rotoviz this week? I did mention you got to check out Sean's recent uh, article on Romeo Dobbs. That will get you hyped on the Packers. Anything else coming down the pipeline? Yeah, the young guys are doing a great job pumping out content. Michael Hitchcock's going to have a new piece going up. We have more or less every day, either an underdog strategy piece or an FFPC strategy piece playing off of the multiple tools, roster construction explorer, advanced rate explorer, overall explorer for 
those two formats and the advanced rate explorers are more or less five tools in one. I'm going to be looking some more at the specific receivers. You mentioned trying to figure out the inexpensive way to play certain teams. I think it also comes down to, we want to pick the teams that were making those targets very carefully. And so they're going to have certain characteristics where they have a very wide range of outcomes and yet a lot of upside. And so how do we best benefit from that? One of the things I think was fun about the Dobbs piece was it looked at a range where, I mean, I've said on our streams as we kind of go through it and then written about it on the site on multiple occasions that you have basically a four round space there where Dobbs might be the only draftable guy. Now I'm also coming around to sky. So maybe those are the two players we drafted Dobbs, I think two weeks ago, we drafted sky today. So as you get a little bit more information, sometimes it doesn't look quite as barren, but we're trying to figure out how we can beat individual areas of the draft and then kind of work backward. What does that mean for what we have to do in the first three rounds? What does that mean for how we get our wide receiver groups together? How do we create these teams that have so much firepower at both running back and wide receiver, which I think is what drafts are giving us right now. And so we had a special feeling bananas on that. I'm going to have some written articles looking at both that draft, some of our drafts, and how you put those pieces together again then with the player analysis. So I mean, Pete, those things have been so much fun to work through. It's been so much fun to do the live drafts that I think you have to do in order to really get a feel for what's going on and, and not be surprised. But yeah, I'm looking forward to doing some of the drafts that you and I have done on the site as strategy sessions that again, work with the RCE, work with the advance rate, explore to kind of have that balance of the player specific articles and the strategy pieces. And it makes the June, July time period just an absolute blast. Yeah, just make sure you're writing about the draft we did and not the one I did with Pat. I would really not like it immortalized on rotaviz.com that I selected Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, and Zeke Elliott in a single draft. So if we can just keep that here, Sean, I would appreciate that. That sounds <laughs> good. That sounds good. What what What's your favorite part of the draft that we had today? Yeah. So I do, it's one of those things too, where it's like, I, you know, you see people in the chat going, holy cow, JSN in the fourth round. But if you do put your fingers over the ADPs and look at the team we built out, um, I love it. And I do like that um, we were still able to prioritize some week 17 stuff. I really like that, you know, Tyreek Hill and Tua with the Zay Flowers bring back. I love the picket to George Pickens with the JSN, just really clear ways of all of those guys have the profile to go for 30 plus points, um, in, in the right conditions there. So I like how this shaped up. I love when you can get the double anchor RB Jonathan Taylor, Ramondre Stevenson, as much as I like scooping up like the value on a Dobbins or an Aaron Jones, I'd rather just get those two anchor RBs knowing you're still going to like the zero RB targets available in the double digit rounds. Like we did with Brian, Robinson and Khalil Herbert. So I love structurally how this team stepped up. I've been doing a ton of three, five, seven, three builds lately, both out of, you know, uh, necessity based on where the value pockets are. And also because I do think it lends itself structurally to, like you said, both the tournament format, the three uncorrelated tournaments, as well as the regular season prize. If you are heavily correlated on a few offenses, you think are undervalued. So I love when we can uh, accomplish a lot of different things with the draft. And we certainly did that here aside from, uh, you know, just tossing the old wide receiver ADP out the window. To, to have Pickens come back in this really made it one of those drafts. I think that we'll remember for a long time and could be one that we're 
thinking about all season as maybe being the best. Now, we're going to try and one-up it every single week. But you mentioned that double anchor early. And yeah. it's so easy to forget about it because you know 2022 was a unique season. And now the ADP shifts have been so dramatic that we're forced to do different things. But if you pull up the 2021, specifically underdog tournament with the roster construction explorer and you look at double anchor as being one of the constructions that was the most successful so if you can do that with a tyree kill and get some of those other guys to come back this one this one felt pretty magical it did very fun draft i also want to mention too for you guys uh i i just had to go peek out of my own curiosity but i highly recommend checking out the best ball hub on fantasylife.com this is a completely free tool here you go to uh the drop down on tools best ball hub right here all you do is request your csv from underdog you upload it here. You can see your exposures across different tournaments if I want to look at the Dalmatian or whatever. And I was just curious because I've been drafting so much Taekwon Thornton that I actually haven't been drafting him with Mac Jones that much. I put Mac Jones in here with Taekwon Thornton. You can see here only a handful of teams and only one best ball mania team. So do you, do you think that's a, a mistake, Sean? And I can handle tough love. If I am at 15% Taekwon, to be a little light on him actually stacked with Mac Jones, or are you fine getting access to the Patriots just through Taekwon? I, I like it the way you're doing. I like it both ways. I think that when you get Mac Jones at the end, when you have it set up, then you want to do that. And I think that when we're talking about the three QB builds, you need to be set up to have teams that are at least stacked, if not game stacked as well, and nicely put together to where you can't mess it up or it's going to be hard to mess it up we were frustrated last week that we didn't get desmond ritter but you're trying to build out with purdy and Howell and ritter and mac jones and then you have some of the other guys in that tua and cousins uh potentially love certainly Pickett is the guy that i end up with extreme exposure to so hopefully that works out but as you're doing that i don't think that you need to force specific guys and certainly if I'm doing a Curtis Samuel, for example, I actually do like to have it with Howell. Otherwise, it feels a little bit like a wasted pick. But Taekwon, yeah. if you, I mean, if he breaks out and yet Mac Jones is more or less, you know, what he has been and doesn't add a ton, I think that you want to have the bet where you're really just betting on Thornton because that could be, I mean, that's maybe the most likely way that it works out. So to have both of those things set up as opposed to having him heavily with Mac Jones, where Mac Jones could actually ruin it is I mean, that's actually the way I prefer. Yeah, and I have been getting part of the reason I kind of enjoy it just through Mac Jones. And again, this will fly in the face of what we did here, which is a big New England stack. But I am like a little worried about their playoff schedule as far as the conditions at Denver, at Buffalo um, in the winter. And no one in the chat talk about El Nino and being unseasonably warm. I, I can't handle that anymore. Uh, but I do get a little worried about just, you know, ideally I would like all of my games in warm weather and dome scenarios. So that gives me slight pause, but I thought in this draft specifically building out that big bet. And if the pe the Patriots, could they be this year's Texans, this year's Jags, where a bunch of those pieces are undervalued and you're getting big ADP wins from all of those. I can certainly see the case for that. Um, really appreciate you guys all hanging out today. Uh, make sure you guys are subscribed 
to this channel almost to 15k i can feel it i can feel it i think we can do it in the next six or so weeks if we stay on this good pace make sure you guys are subscribed to rotoviz as well as the rotoviz podcast feed you heard sean mention his series with ben gretch stealing bananas one of my favorite podcasts he does rotoviz overtime with colin kelly um really good stuff over there at rotoviz really enjoying this partnership with sean and rotoviz here um sean any final words before we get out of here and uh, next time we will see each other, it will be on uh, July 5th. I'm looking forward to it. New England shoot, shootouts in all of those playoff weeks. That's what we're looking for. They can put some big points on you. I mean, Mac Jones, the new Tom Brady, 40 points in the snow. That's coming. Wow. You sound like my mother-in-law saying Mac Jones, the new Tom Brady. For Sean Siegel, I'm Peter Overzat. We'll catch you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.